The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Would you trade that podcast for a glimpse into your future? Yes, I'm speaking to you. I'm Zenith Sloth. How did you know I was hosting a podcast? For that answer, you must pay, Brian. What do you know about Game Masters? My listeners, they... They said they powered the Dark Times podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite security droid. And I'm Steven, your favorite errant monk from a strange world in a different time. There we go. <laughs> Wanted to sauce it up a little bit. Hey, and sauce it you did. <laughs> Steven, we have some feedback for last week. Great, let's get right into it. This is from Zloy Krolik. Hey, Sam and Steven, I liked the latest episode. I'm glad you liked the mooks. One of these days you should post a picture of the napkin. You still have the napkin, It's right? a bookmark in my podcasting book that That's I have. Right. I got to right. find it, but Good. it's there. Uh, Zloy is talking about, of course, the napkin that Sam originally wrote the idea for this podcast on. I think it says something along the lines of two sexy hosts, <laughs> uh, Saga Edition. It's it's, mu- it's not much of a napkin, more of a gold tablet I, I found with our names carved into it, Stephen. That's right. That's right. Zloy continues. I have a few suggestions for future episodes. Since Steven now has a complete set of Swissy books, you could have an episode or two about each one. Go through what they bring to the game, character options for the base classes, prestige classes, equipment, vehicles, NPCs, and such, new rules or game subsystems. I know you've already covered some of this, but you could tie it into a book-themed episode. So I thought about doing this. World's most expensive (laughs) (laughs) read-along. Um... This is what the Order 66 podcast did as the books came out in yeah. real time way back in the day. And I thought like, oh, they already did that. We don't we, we that's already well-tread territory. We don't need to do that. But no, I, I actually I, I mean, if Zoe wants it, other people probably want it, too. And those episodes were like 15 years ago, damn yeah. near. So we can probably we can probably retread <laughs> like that a territory. retrospective version. Like, yeah, they 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 hiked the path. But now we're laying down the, the gravel. And Ooh, the, the bricks. And yeah. The brick. Yeah. Ooh, that was a good metaphor. Thank Sam. you. I'm, I'm full of them today. <laughs> you get tonight's metaphor point. Yeah, I get a metaphor point. I can spend those at the gift shop. Bingo. For any metaphor you get a little spider case. ring or like a pack of gum. But, well, it's a pack of gum. But you, if we pull on it, it actually shocks you. <laughs> it's a trick pack of gum. I had one of those that I liked a little too much. My oh, mom yeah. took it away from me. Of course, well, as parents should, those things are awful. As Zoli continues, you can also talk about different themed Star Wars campaigns like Steven's Zero Distance campaign and others. Intrigue, bounty hunting. This is the campaign I'm currently running for my group. Military, Clone Wars or Rebellion. Four blokes on a ship running around the galaxy. Things like that. Alternate history. Star Wars crossed with samurai like in Star Wars Visions content. I'm thinking about pitching that idea to my group for the next campaign, how the core rules and other books could be used to support such campaigns, how to go about starting such campaigns. I see people fall back on Dawn Defiance, perhaps because they feel unsure about how to run something else that isn't published. You've done content about some of the many adventures in the book. Keep that up. Keep up the great work. Zloy Krolik. Thank you, Zloy. That's a very helpful email. We love praise and suggestions. Both uh, make us feel very good. Both so, in spades. Thank you. I like the idea about... Talking like going through the books and also talking about how to set up themed campaigns. When I talked about Zero Distance, the like main thing I did to ensure that the theme of the campaign and my vision was kind of conserved as we played was opening up with that setting guide. No one heard anything about the campaign until I'd showed them a four page document that detailed pretty much precisely what I was shooting for. And I think that paid off a lot in the long run. And if that seems like too much work for you. 
you're welcome to uh, maybe compile a list of like the resources that players can use for the, this campaign. Oh yeah, a little a, a blurb. Let's say if you're doing a Clone Wars campaign, you want core rulebook, Clone Wars campaign guide, and maybe Jedi Academy training manual. That's how Rodney wanted us to play it. That is exactly. Yeah, Actually, yeah I totally. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, that was that was that. that was his vision for the game. Was this kind of modular, pick it up, put it down sort of system. So yeah, I think we can cover that. I think a, a good. I could do. I could do forty minutes on what how to theme a campaign, how to start oh, a I themed you, campaign. I think you meant 40 minutes on reiterating what Rodney's already said. Well, I do that every <laughs> week anyway. Well, thank you so much for the feedback. Thank you. Yeah, and so everyone, cool. you know, if you want to reach out with uh, your thoughts, your vent, your hatred for us, or tell us that we're doing a good job, you can reach out to us at darktimeswissy at gmail.com. So Sam named this segment. Yeah. <laughs> and it's called Three Species. You won't believe number two. Yeah, we're doing a species showcase today. Yeah, we picked up some species that we wanted to highlight because they're they're cause they're cool. We were at the supermarket, just found a couple, you know, name brand species we wanted to pick up and show for you guys. This first one is a personal favorite among me, Sam, and the rest of our playgroup. This is the Miraluka, hailing from the Coder Campaign Guide. They hail from their adopted homeworld of Alpharides in the expansion region which they migrated to after their original homeworld was rendered uninhabitable. The Sith Lord Darth Nihilus stripped the Mirluka colony world of Qatar of all life around 3,952 BBY. You know, like he does. Yeah, that's kind of his whole deal. Is That's really the only thing he can do. He doesn't even talk, really. He's... What a badass, right? <laughs> Shows up, renders your planet void of life, leaves. Refuses to elaborate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mirluka played a huge role in shaping Jedi traditions for thousands of years under the Old Republic, but suffered greatly under the Jedi Purge and were relentlessly hunted by the Empire. The sources I found said that thousands of Mirluka died in the Jedi Purge, but you think it would be more, right? Unless I, I can imagine thousands of active Mirluka Force users between the Jedi Order and and the Lucasine, but well, so let's look back at what Darth Nihilus said. He stripped, he stripped the colony world, not a the colony home world. world. Yeah. So the home world was uninhabitable. Yeah. And a colony world was completely wiped of life. Wow. You have horrible <laughs> reading and listening comprehension. Let's I do. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Adopted home world of Alpharides, which they migrated to after their original home world was destroyed. Darth Nihilus destroyed the colony world Qatar. That's not the original home world. No. I'm just making sure. I, I, no, I understood. <laughs> No, I was. I'm still under. I'm still. The point I'm making is that they're down two on on worlds that they live on. <laughs> okay, now I understand. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's no mention you of like dick. the empire going. I'm just saying. I'm like, like, listen. Like, look. Like, you're the one with not comprehending what I'm saying. I just assume you're wrong before you open your mouth, and that kind of shapes how I react. Okay. That's yeah, the basis for the whole podcast. <laughs> they don't have a great track record when it comes to staying alive. That's God, what I'm saying. <laughs> you had a good point. Yeah, it doesn't mention, I couldn't find anything official about the Empire going to Alpharides. Our friend who wrote a lot of, like, Mirluka fanon lore, because they really wanted to fill that shit out, um, does touch on this. And I thought about trying to include that in this episode, but I, I, I just didn't ask. <laughs> also, since it's not technically official content, it's not really... Yeah, I figure that might be that might be something people might like to see. If, sure, maybe but if, if if the author's willing to share it, I don't know. They're they're pretty guarded with their with their works. But uh yeah, who knows? If if people want to hear more about this fan and mirror lore that we've operated on, then 
Reach out. I hope the sheer mentioning of it inspires your players to fill out any lore they need to do for their species. Seriously, and a couple of the species we're going to cover today, there's lots of room to fill in the gaps here. There's there's plenty. Despite their close resemblance to humans, funny enough, uh, intermingling between the two actually uh, will produce blind offspring who cannot use the force more often than not, uh, though there's a few notable exceptions, including an individual born with both normal human sight with eyeballs and Miralukan force sight. Oh, Stephen, you you kind of missed the bantha in the room. You didn't mention that Miraluka straight up don't have eyes. That's a good point. <laughs> That's kind of their iconic feature, right? So the Miraluka resemble humans just like you and me and... Sorry for the gleep knocks from Planet Kratos Four listening, but hey, they get these transmissions once every uh, sixth cycle of their moon, just when the you know the radio waves can bounce yeah, off yeah, yeah, properly. Yeah, um, anyway, yeah. So they look just like humans, more or less, but in place of eyes, skin, just skin. It's just skinned right over their skull. Definitely has eye sockets in some way or another, but that's just skin there, baby. All skin all the time. It's all skin all the time. They've got extra skin in the game. <laughs> Most Miraluka, in fact, virtually all Miraluka by their tradition, wear some sort of eye covering or veil. Um, I had a Miraluka NPC in one campaign that wore like a crystal veil. It was like strings, strands of crystal all Fuck in front yeah. of their face. I always really liked that look. And they see through the force. And they see through the force. Yes. And that can get complicated when you think about it too hard, but we will get into that. Don't you worry. Effectively, just just imagine that the force they don't, they don't see through the force, they see with the force. The force simply gives them normal seeing ability. Keep, just just bear with me, please, God. Oh, Steven, you, you, you stopped me. I almost had my um actually hat on. About to hit you with a, uh, how can they read then if, uh, if they're seeing with the force? The entire populace of Miraluka are force sensitive in varying degrees. Highly unusual for a species to be so force sensitive, but deeply defining for their personal characteristics and cultural identities on the galactic stage. Many are drawn to the Jedi Order as Padawans or other supporting roles. The Lucasine is another force tradition with deep roots in mere Luca tradition and academia. We didn't mention them. Yeah, we talked about them in a, a couple of force tradition episodes ago. I think they were in the first one and they're, they're really cool. I like their vibe, especially how they'll like <laughs> send a strike team of librarians after your ass <laughs> if you turn out to be evil. Let's go over their species traits. Might also shed a little bit of light on the true capabilities of their seeing. So, ability modifiers, of course. Everyone wants to know the ability modifiers. Plus two to int, minus two to dex. Mirlukins have keen minds, but their reliance on the force to perceive their surroundings prevents them from reacting as quickly as most. They're medium. They have a speed of six squares. And here's where the kicker begins. This is where the Mirluka are, like, your top three Jedi species. Probably, like, Mirluka, Twi'lek, human in that order, probably. There might be something better in there, but that that that's my top three, at least. Conditional bonus feat. Amir Lukun, who has used the force as a trained skill, gains force training as a bonus feat. Yes, dear listeners, this is a free force training at level one for Amir Lukun Jedi. Oh, that's good. So good. Normally, you have to blow your level one feat on taking force training if you want to use force powers at level one, which... I mean, come on, especially if you're new to the game and you're playing a Jedi, don't you want to use force powers at level one? Now I can blow my level one feet on skill focus, use the force <laughs> and absolutely ruin everyone else's day at the table, Steven. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> and I've seen it been done like three times now with three different Miraluka. It's, it's so fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. Everyone knows force training, conditional bonus feet, pick up 
skill focus, use the force for your level one feat, move object. Everyone knows that's how you play Saga. Edition. It's just it's just moving rocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay, here we go. Foresight. Although blind, Mirlukins can see by using the force. They act normally without taking any penalties for blindness when in the presence of living creatures or life of any kind. This trait enables them to make perception checks and read and write as a sighted person. Okay, so that kind of sounds like that even though they do use a supernatural power to see, their sight is still not much better, even maybe a little worse than the average thing. They can ignore the effect of darkness as if they had dark vision. Mirlukins cannot, however, detect creatures that are invisible to the Force, such as the Yuzenvong or the Yusulmari. These creatures have total concealment from Mirlukins, as do creatures in areas that dampen or suppress the Force. That makes sense. Yes. Additionally, Mirlukins ignore all penalties to perception checks from cover and concealment, but not total cover or total concealment. Mirlukins do not increase the DC of use the force checks made to sense surroundings against targets with total cover. Okay, what does this game language tell us about the capabilities of Mirlukins' sight? In English, no eyes. (laughs) (laughs) So, they ignore penalties to perception checks from cover and concealment. So, standard barriers, crashed speeders, small promontories, a haze of smoke gas, and regular darkness, things like that, but not total cover or total concealment. So they cannot see through walls. And given enough darkness, enough gas, enough fog, enough interference to visual sensors, they still can't see any better than anyone else. Though, because of their attunement to the force, they have an advantage when it comes to sensing you around the corner or from another wall or another room away. Thank you, Stephen. Of course. It's a question that comes up a lot, at least in our circle. Yeah, when you play a Mirror Yeah, when, when there's a Mirror at the table. Oh, and uh, all Mirror can speak, read through their foresight, and write through their foresight. The book specifies twice, uh, both basic and Mirror Nice, Stephen. Yeah, there's lots of cool Mirror out there. Jarek from the. Uh, from the whole Jedi Knight games. Jarek like su- is such like a, like a, like you met him at the bar last night, man. <laughs> yeah, I ran into Jarek at the bar last night. What a <sighs> cool dude. He shotgunned a tall can. That was crazy. <laughs> you ever see that? <laughs> oh, man. I need someone to draw Jarek from Jedi Knight games shotgunning a tall can of PBR. Jarek, but he's like, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's a, what do they call him? The fucking things in college. He's, he rushed a, He's a he's a frat bro. He's a frat bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the things in college. Frat frat escaped me for some reason. The word frat. Jarek, but he's a fucking college frat bro. Shotgunning beers. Have you seen Jarek? You know what this <laughs> yeah, character is? Mean, okay, like, yeah, he's like an older man. Yeah, bald guy with I weird do like sunglasses. The, I do like the idea of Amira Luka doing a one-handed force stand like Luke, but doing a keg stand. <laughs> amazing, yeah. just amazing. Well, Stephen, you gave us probably one of the coolest Jedi species there yeah. are. Now let's hear one of the weirdest. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you asked for one of the weirdest because here it is. Selegians from the Jedi Academy training manual. Selegians are an ancient species known for their great intellect and wisdom. They've evolved from ocean dwelling invertebrates. The Selegians ancestors eventually adapted to living on land. The atmosphere of their homeworld is rich in cyanogen gas, which is poisonous to most sentient beings. 
Conversely, oxygen is lethal to sludgeons. To move their massive jellyfish-like bodies, sludgeons have evolved a natural form of locomotion similar to a repulsor lift generator. Their soft, fleshy bodies, writhing masses of tentacles. That's a great imagery in this in this Ugh. book description, isn't it? And dependence on life support chambers result in sludgeons looking as if they constantly float in water. They hail from the ancient stormy ocean world of Sledgia in the expansion region. They have no spoken or written language. They are just telepathic, baby, all the way through. Okay. There's not much information on how they relate to the rest of the galactic sphere. Perhaps they're more isolated, reclusive, or maybe people give them a wide berth because they're frankly kind of weird and their planet is poisonous to most people. There's uh, the story of Uru, who was a Sledgeon Jedi Master in the time of the New Jedi Order. He once sacrificed himself to save a whole planet, becoming the Martyr of Carrick. So there's one note as, as to their personality and demeanor, you know. Uh, they rely on a floating life support chamber filled with their favorite gas. Yum. What's your favorite gas, Steven? <sighs> I'd have to say like neon. Neon. Yeah. Helium is pretty, pretty good. good Helium is pretty cool. Uh, when my last job, I worked with a lot of like noxious, like nitrogen yeah. gases, like uh, very, very fun stuff there. I wouldn't want to be in a big <laughs> chamber full of it, though. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. I worked with a lot of argon, too. Argon, argon. Argon's oh, a good one. Another noble gas. And another noble gas. Noble gas from a more civilized age. <laughs> Let me. Sorry, hold on. I, I wanted. To, oh, yeah, here we go. I, I, there are some notes on sludge and personality in the book that I forgot to mention. Sledgeons are wise, thoughtful beings who search for logical solutions to problems. They enjoy contemplating riddles, puzzles, and paradoxes. They rarely put themselves in harm's way and avoid conflict whenever possible. You probably want to know about this life support chamber that was yeah, mentioned it, that they have to live in. It must be like an impenetrable... It's like this is the only thing keeping them alive, right? So yeah. It must be like a crazy, super cool Jedi contraption. So... I, I think I've seen Mountain Dew cans with more <laughs> with more rigor than with more than structural the, integrity. Yeah, than the Selegian life support chamber. It costs six six thousand credits and weighs fifty kilograms. Though, um, based on its description in the book, I don't think you need to carry it per se. And like most other life support gear, you get it for free when you create the character. Selegians rely on a transparasteel life support chamber to survive away from their home world. These Chambers are filled with cyanogen gas and held aloft by the sludgeon's natural levitation. Sludgeons retain use of their tentacles inside the sludgeon life support chamber. A sludgeon life support chamber possesses a damage reduction score of 10 and 20 hit points. Okay. So an attack of 30 damage these breaks guys, it. These guys aren't fighting uh, Dark Jedi or Sith Lords. These are not frontline sure. fighters. <laughs> At all. A sludgeon encased in a sludgeon life support chamber receives a plus five equipment bonus to their fortitude defense, as well as a plus two square bonus to their fly speed, bringing their fly speed up to eight squares. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Though, um, yeah, you might as well be literally walking around in a, in a tin can. A tin can where if it breaks, you die yes. instantly. Yes. I you once, sorry, you suffocate. You, yeah, as we'll clarify here in a sec, you do begin <sighs> to suffocate the moment this chamber is broken. I did see someone online, I'm not sure who, so I won't say the name, describe this as probably the worst species you could play. <laughs> because no matter what your build is, no matter what you do, unless you are on your home world, or perhaps an ocean world, maybe, you've, you've got 20 hit points effectively before you start to suffocate. Now, Steven. Yes. Can these guys, like, write? No. Can they, they read? They, they could... Pr- 
it's not even clear to me if they have like visual <laughs> organs, like like eyes. I mean, clearly they they can perceive. But can they read? Can they? Um, gosh, it's a great question. It says they have no written language. Under automatic languages, it says they can understand basic. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they can write basic or read it. Rather, no, it, it explicitly does not. Maybe you could like hold a book up to their tank and like. <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good. I've got magazine pages floating in, in my gas. I'm sure you could rig up some sort of cybernetic implant that would let them read. Let them read. Some sort of hollow <laughs> Oh, that's good. Master Uru, what's going on? He's just like. He's <laughs> shaking around. Oh, my gosh. Though oh, you, uh, their their life support chamber is equipment, so you could upgrade that however you saw fit. Uh, I, I personally, I'd throw a shield generator on there. Oh, that sounds sick as hell. Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe you you had the idea earlier to do some integrated equipment. Yeah, that integrated would also equipment be, maybe. Yeah. I, isn't there like the plating that gives it more dr? Or something I think like that? so. Neutronium plate. Yeah, yeah. Not important. Not important. Ability modifiers. That's what everyone wants to know. That's plus two to Ent, minus two to Dex. Identical to the Mandalorians. <laughs> funny enough. Wow, it's just you're just as graceful as a jellyfish in a jar. <laughs> They're medium. Uh, they have a fly speed of six squares. Remember, that's eight when they're in their chamber, and you will certainly always be in your chamber, I hope. They also have a swim speed of ten squares. They can always fly as long as they aren't carrying a heavy load. They have the trait broadcast telepath. They can use the telepathy application of the use of the force skill untrained, even if they do not possess the force sensitivity feat. I think this is to highlight that they aren't using the force to use telepathy, but some other other system, other other method. A sledgeon automatically succeeds on this check to communicate with willing targets within 60 squares of it and its line of sight. So pretty good. Isn't the telepathy application of the use of the force skill kind of OK, though? Yeah. Like, not the best? It's not amazing, <laughs> but if you roll good enough, you can do That's stuff, fair. like, within the same system or within the same, like, arm of the galaxy. That's rad. That's yeah. rad. And they seem to particularly good at it. I mean, within 60 squares of it, automatic success. They can talk to any teammate silently. Oh, yeah. Within 60 squares without barriers or anything else getting in the way, as long as they're aware of them. Expert swimmer. They can re-roll any swim check, but must keep the result. Even if it's worse, they can also take 10 on swim checks, even when under duress. They have natural weapons and this, <laughs> this is the one I didn't, I didn't really get, but they have a natural weapon in the form of a powerful slam attack. When a sludgeon makes an unarmed attack, it may choose to use its natural weapon, dealing 1d6 of bludgeoning damage with the attack instead of the normal unarmed damage. Sludgeons are always considered armed with their natural weapons. Now, now, wait a minute. Yes. When I read this the first time, I assumed it was like a tentacle slam. I think I know where you're going with this. It does not specify that it uses any particular part of its body to do the slam. Do you think it's bonking the <laughs> tank into it? Yes, yes. Yeah. That's almost certainly what it is. Because they wouldn't give it a useless unarmed attack, right? Yeah. It's just straight just up. Boom, boom. Like it floats into you gently. <laughs> oh, man course special equipment they need their life support chamber to uh survive outside of their their home atmosphere or any cyogen you know atmosphere whatever whatever you want to do yeah my sledgian guy he's got like a whole like personal training room full of cyanogen <laughs> gas it wouldn't be out of the question if for like uh i, I always i really want to play one of these guys specifically in like an explorer core campaign you know i thought you're gonna say too explicitly like make my gm have trouble to <laughs> 
No, that too. But like, imagine like he's the leader of like an Explore Corps like crew in the unknown regions. He for would definitely sure. like have a room where they pump in gas all the time. And yeah. Maybe a little pool for him to splash around in. Like <laughs> one of those giant hamster <laughs> feeding tubes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some some toys for stimulation. That's really funny, Steven. Thank you. And yeah, also legends can understand basic, it says here. But not necessarily write it. But not write it. I don't think they can write it. I'm not even sure they can see it in the same way we do. But yeah, those are uh, legends. Some people say they're the worst species you can play in the game. Me? Well, I think they're jellyfish. (laughs) I do want to see the googly eyes. The googly eyes. Because he wouldn't know. (laughs) Is there something on my face? (laughs) I think our, our friend Kat almost played one of these. That was like, uh, she had a short list of all the different species she wanted to play. It was like Mira Lucas, Legion, and the couple <laughs> others. I'm dead serious. The best, the best Jedi species in the game, Selegians. <laughs> that's, that's the list. Please reach out if you've played a Selegian. I want to hear how that went. I need to hear some Selegian RPG horror stories. Good, good. Well, Steven, uh, our next species... Courtesy of the Force Unleashed campaign guide. Oh boy. The the Wiffid? I, I think we should call it Wiffid. Wiffid? PH makes an F sound. I like Whippid though. I love Whippid. Whippid's a dog. <laughs> Whippid's a cute little dog. It's like a miniature greyhound. All right, all right, all right. These are called the Whiffids. Whiffids are bulky bipeds covered in light brown or golden fur. A Whiffid's lower jaw sports two large tusks. Whiffids vary in bulk and size depending on the climate they live in. They often shed some weight on hotter worlds to prevent overheating. I always liked their look. Very beasty, very classic oh, sci-fi beast man. I love their tusks. Like their like, like a dude in a costume. Like- they look like a dude in a costume. That's my favorite, favorite thing about them. Wiffids originate from the tundra world of Tula in the Outer Rim. They became a member of the Galactic Stage during the Old Republic era, were nomadic hunters on their homeworld. Force Unleashed Campaign Guide says, Wiffids are natural predators. They enjoy the hunt as much as the kill. Outsiders might be surprised by their agreeable and outgoing personalities, especially when some Wiffid must learn the difference between friend and food the hard way. A combination of greed and lack of scruples lead many to the shady side of galactic society. Mm, Lack of scruples, you say. I love love the use of the word scruples. No scruples? (laughs) (laughs) It's the fucking... What's the the TikTok meme where it's like I offer? Oh yeah, trade friendship. offer. I can love the look of the hands crossed over the long mouth. <laughs> I receive many scruples. <laughs> they have no written language, and their native language sounds of barks and growls. I've always wanted to play a Wifid like mercenary, like soldier. Let's talk about Wifid species traits. Okay. Ability modifiers, they gain plus four bonus to strength and minus two to intelligence and wisdom. Oh boy, yeah, this is a this is my kind of my kind of build here. <laughs> Wiffids are typically strong, but many lack experience in the wider galaxy. They're large creatures. As a large creature, Wiffids take a minus one size penalty to their reflex defense and a minus five size penalty on stealth checks. And they gain a plus five size bonus to their damage threshold. Their lifting and carrying limits are double those of medium characters. Wiffids have a base speed of six squares. Cold resistance. Their thick fur allows Wiffids to add a plus five species bonus to their fortitude defense to resist extreme cold. Mm, cozy. Yeah, nice, nice warm little guys. Uh, natural weapons. A Wiffid has natural weapons in the form of sharp claws. When a Wiffid makes an unarmed attack, it may choose to use its natural weapons, dealing 1d6 points of slashing damage with that attack. 
instead of normal unarmed damage. Wiffids are always considered armed with their natural weapons. Interesting. Yeah. Their scent. They have the scent trait. Wiffids have a keen sense of smell at close range within 10 squares. Wiffids ignore concealment and cover for purposes of perception checks. They take no penalty from poor visibility while tracking. That's rad. Yes, I like that a lot. And then Wiffids can speak Wiffid. There is no <laughs> written language for Wiffid. That's their only automatic language. Oh, interesting. So you better hope you've got at least that, that plus one int yeah. to, to make sure you speak if basic. If you're too stupid. Which, <laughs> big big ask with a minus two to int from the yeah, get-go. Jeez, man. So if you're doing point by, then you, that's going to be expensive just to speak basic. That's your, I mean, if you're doing standard array, that's your 12 right there. That's your 12 in, in the sinker. In, in the, the stinker. In the stinker. Oh, no, you could do plus zero because its language is one plus your int mod. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you can. That's your 12. Awful. I. That's cool. I, this is one I expected to have the primitive trait, but it doesn't. Yes. Yes. I thought that was. They were primitive in the Old Republic era. So uh, okay, I'm sure yeah. maybe if a GM really wanted to put the hammer down. Oh, on, yeah. On, hey, this this the species sucks. Don't play it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? They're also primitive, so they don't get any training in weapons when they uh, when they take a level in the uh, class. Definitely, uh, yeah, definitely don't have the primitive trait because they're kind of in the midst of of intermingling with with yeah. the rest of the galaxy. And it's cool. I like it. I don't know. This is just a great big, hairy, strong, beat face guy. This is one of those things that really begs the question of like. Yeah, Star Wars doesn't really have a sort of like prime directive, like can't Not interfere with evolution of species rule that Star Trek does. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about Star Wars is that it's it's just the Wild West when it comes to <laughs> developing peoples and, and cultures and civilizations. Oh, sorry, my my species has been alive for 3000 years longer than yours. Uh, we're going to enslave you now. Want a gun? Want a gun? <laughs> Here's a gun. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've always wanted to play a Wiffed Merc or like Wiffed Bounty Merc. Hunter. Oh, that's yeah. so great. Yeah, it'd be fun. Well, Stephen, that's our third uh, species. Okay, right? all right. Well, I guess we'll just move on along then to the next thing. Well, fuck you, Stephen. Fourth species. Very good. Surprise fourth species. Surprise fourth species, folks. We told you three. You wouldn't believe number two. Well, guess what? You won't believe number four either. <laughs> <laughs> this is another uh, favorite of Stephen's from the Force Unleashed campaign guide. The Nogri. Yes. The Nogri. <laughs> Sometimes said in the Thrawn audiobooks. Oh, okay. That's what yeah. That's, that's why I've been saying that all day. <laughs> Sam's been looking at me like, why? Why are you doing Ventress? Like the Nogri. The Nogri. Uh, waiter, can we get another bowl of Nogri over here? <laughs> Ooh, truffle. Ooh, I'll try oh, the truffle no and oh, mozzarella Nogri. nogri. With- <laughs> yeah. Nogri dipped in truffle oil. Mm. Nogri are described in the Force Unleashed campaign guide as small, compact humans with. Bony sockets, claws, and fangs. The official art, I think, looks like a dinosaur man. Yeah. I was always, because I'm, I'm familiar with that art, because um, it was also used for the Empire at War. But, like, they, they really aren't that reptilian in the book, unless my memory is is is, is shot for the Thrawn books. I, I, I read them he, recently. I believe you used the phrase desert monkeys. Yeah, they're more like, they were like more like desert monkeys, to me, at least. I don't know. I was reading the book. And I just thought of de- like they had kind of monkey mannerisms. They would like hop around and like do like aggression displays. I do and stuff. see like the chimpanzeeness in the face. So that must yeah. have been part of the description when they when the artist was drawing it. Gotta be. They were promised by Darth Vader that he will save their dying homeworld, which was only in danger because of the Empire's involvement. Yes. The Nogri pledged their allegiance to him and served as his secret assassins. Yeah, it was cool. He kind of had his own like Sardaukar like yeah. situation going on. So great. Um, they were awesome. Really effective assassins. Until. Five years after Vader's death in the New Jedi Order era, 
they recognize Princess Leia as Vader's daughter and begin to serve her as Lady Vader. Yes, Lady Vader. Lady Vader. That's what the... <laughs> I love the idea of a species that has been on both sides of, like... Yeah, no, they, they <laughs> the are just... conflict. They're just loyal to the Skywalker line. Like, that's, that's it. Rad. Yeah, It's so great. It's really, really fun. Yeah, they, they really made, like, a little cargo cult around Vader and his whole deal. And even though... I can't remember... Oh, that's right. Their planet became doomed when it was polluted by a Star Destroyer that was shot down above their planet of uh, Honiger. Hon- yes, Hon- that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the fucking the fuels leaked into the topsoil and totally wiped it out. It was awful. <laughs> and the Empire promised to help them and blame the rebels on it. And um, yeah. Or was it a rebel? I think it was war related. It was war related. Someone <laughs> like their planet wasn't dying just yeah. already. No, like, it, it wasn't. <laughs> it was. Yeah, no, it was polluted because of a, a, a nearby conflict in the, in the upper atmosphere. I love when just random ass people like see Darth Vader as a hero for no reason. Right. I love that shit. The empire did perpetuate and worsen the like ecological collapse of, course. of the planet though. Like it did, it did. Like, make yeah. It worse. Well, since you're loyal to us, we got to put these factories here and you guys got to start making guns. A detail I, I remember is they had, pr- they sent down probe droids that they told the no agree were like purifying the soil, but they're actually <laughs> putting more toxins into it. It was so funny. Just probe droids like dropping their yes. waste. Yes. Literally. It's weird that every time someone flushes on a Star Destroyer, a probe droid drops down to a nearby planet and just drops it off right there. Incredible. Enough flim flam, enough cool things about the no agree. Let's talk about the nitty gritty, the numbers game, Stephen. As we all know, all RPGs are based on having the better number than someone else. Yes, that's yeah. what that's the whole point of a role playing game. Yeah, so you can exactly. Win. It's not the role. I don't even know why roles even in the title. Yeah, it's they should literally just be playing games. It should just be better than you, the game. <laughs> Ability modifiers. All Nogri receive a plus two bonus to both their dexterity and wisdom and suffer a minus four penalty to their charisma. Nogri are quick and wise, but serious and not very personable. I would play one of these in a heartbeat. They're so cool. Legit. They're awesome. I, I want to play one too. They're, they're so great. Small size. They're small. <laughs> yeah, they're small. That's the great thing. They're like four feet tall. All of this shit. And they're four feet fucking tall. They look like fucking six foot tall dinosaur yes. men. Yes. Yes, they do. They are small. As small creatures, no green, a plus one size bonus to their reflex defense and a plus five size bonus on stealth checks. No wonder they're such good assassins. However, their lifting and carrying limits are three quarters of those of medium characters. They have a base speed of four squares and they have conditional bonus feet. Nogri are quick and agile fighters. Nogri gain running attack as a bonus feat at first level, provided he or she meets the prerequisites of the feat. Minimum dexterity of 13. Primitive. Nogri do not gain weapon proficiency of heavy weapons, pistols, or rifles as starting feats at first level, even if their class normally grants them. Scent. Nogri have an extremely strong sense of smell at close range within 10 squares. Nogri ignore concealment and cover for purposes of perception checks. And take no penalty from poor visibility while tracking. Oh, same as the Wiffids. Just like the Wiffids. Uh, automatic languages. All Nogri can speak, read, and write Honogren, which is the language from their planet. Nice. Isn't it weird that they have a written language, but the Wiffids just don't? Yeah. Wiffids been around for thousands of years. Don't have a, don't have a fucking written language. Darth Vader discovered these guys fucking last week and they've got a full like textbook already. Well, you know, the Wiffids are like a nomadic, like hunter gatherer society. The Nogri have like civilization and huts and shit that's that they, and that's religion. Fair. Yeah. Religion's a pretty big proprietor of having written. Big language. one. <laughs> big one. But this ain't the fucking uh, anthropology podcast. It's the dark times, baby. Let's take you guys to the break. Nice. Well, it's the break now. 
Yeah. Let's, let's, let's break right into it. Break me off a piece of that dark times podcast. Mmm. Fruitcake. <laughs> never actually had fruitcake. It's all right. Yeah. I've well, had, I've had pieces. I've never had a, yeah. You know, I've never had a kid, like a slice, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, can we, can we buy a fruitcake? I want to try a fruitcake. And my parents were like, we're not going to buy a fruitcake. <laughs> I thought it looked cool. They do look like they would taste good. Right. But apparently they don't. Apparently don't they don't. I guess that's the thing is that they don't. Anyway, welcome to the break. This is where we talk to you about all the ways you could support the show. And we express the thanks for the truckfuls, freighterfuls, Corellian freighterfuls. There we go. There you go. Of support you guys have already sent our way on the Galactic Hyperlink. And we're not talking about the sport models that have like lower cargo capacity. We're, we're talking, talking straight up YT2000, like 400 ton cargo hold, like <laughs> all that good stuff. So let's actually talk about it. I don't know. I'd like to thank the listener for listening. And I think, thank you, Stephen, for listening. Sam, thank you for all you do for the show. This would not happen without your, your many strenuous efforts to edit the audio <laughs> to and rain everything you else in. you do. Yeah. <laughs> to rein me in. We always see you guys talking about the show on discord, on Reddit, on everywhere and elsewhere. It, it means everything. I'm not like well equipped to handle the amount of praise we receive and just know that I'm so very grateful for, for the position you guys hold us all in. If you want to support the show monetarily, we are so happy to accept your contribution we have a $5 and $10 tier. You get a sticker and shirt, respectively, by being on those tiers for three months on the Patreon. Also, you are entitled to a sticker in the $10 tier to go with your shirt. We're just having some issues with Patreon's back end. They have a bug that they do not want to fix. I think maybe by the time next year rolls around, if it's still not fixed, we'll take matters into our own hands, print off some stickers of our own, and just ship those out. We've got your guys' addresses. We know where you live. So... <laughs> <laughs> but for real, I uh, look forward to that in the future. I'm not one to sit on my laurels and wait for someone to fix a problem for me. I'd rather just get this out of our hair so we can get back to not owing you stickers. Yeah, I hate being in <laughs> sticker debt. It sucks. There's also a sticker debt. I've got the sticker debt in six <laughs> systems. <laughs> He's just covered in stickers. <laughs> The Patreon also has other goodies, including a, a refreshed, revamped version of my hex crawl guide. A few goodies there. There's an encounter that'll also one day be the home of the Dark Times module coming up. Look for it. There's also other templates, art, map, things you guys can just do to enhance your games just that much. But largely, it's a tip jar just to say thanks for, for what we do and for thanking us for what we do. Well, listener, we thank you. You want to run that one a little more time? Oh, I, I think that was a perfect take. I don't know you what you mean. You. <laughs> you. You, the Dark Times Podcast. You can reach out to the Dark Times Podcast on Twitter at Dark Times SWSE or email us darktimesswse at gmail.com. Uh, anything else, Stephen, before we get back to the show? <laughs> okay. <laughs> get you back to the show. Stephen. Mm. The Zloy Krolik double feature today. Oh boy. I love when it's a Zloy Krolik double feature. I've got my box of milk duds. I've got my popcorn. Mm, I haven't milk duds in a while. My movie theater hot dog. Do you That's, do the hot dog? I kind of like to do the hot dog. Honestly, like. If I'm hungry, I like to do you the gotta hot dog. You got to do the, I mean, if they got the mini pizzas though, the mini pizzas I'll do. What I will never do is the nachos. The nachos are always garbage. Yeah, I know. It's the cheapest like tortilla chips they can fucking find. And it's so expensive too. $8 for nachos. Yeah, for like really? gas station nachos. Really? Like worse than gas We're not going to say who, but you know who you fucking are. Regal. <laughs> so funny they're not even in town anymore yeah, like cinemark <laughs> cine jeff cine jeff 
was listening to an email. Oh. Uh, one of those good old fashioned electronic mail messages. Oh, I've heard about those. We get some here and there. Darktimeswissy.gmail.com. Dark hey guys, I thought I'd drop a level 8 and a level 12 version of a Herglick Heavy Weapons guy on you, plus a bonus picture. Oh, we got a bonus picture? Yeah. Oh my from God. Gmail. I gotta go look at that picture. I gotta find the source of the picture. Floyd continues. Level 8, he has five slots of integrated equipment on his powered battle armor, with the miniaturized power generator being used to power the rotary blaster cannon. Also included is a field food processor. Unlimited gray goop. Oh, yes. Fuck I love yeah. when there's unlimited gray goop. Personal favorite of Steven and mine. You know, Patreon money's great and all, but we just spend it on gray goop anyway. Tell me a little butter in the pan. You fry up both sides. It's good. You can't tell the difference between rice. that and meat. Yeah. <laughs> Rolled up in some seaweed, you know. Mm, gray goop nori. Mm. <laughs> The rotary blaster cannon has a bipod, sniper switch, in case he ever wants to shoot at single shot, and improved energy cell upgrades, along with improved damage tech specialist for plus three damage for equipment. The weapon mount has three slots. Rotary blaster cannon, two slots. Heavy blaster pistol, one half slot. Medium weapon to a large creature makes it a light weapon. And a neutronium reinforced axe, another half slot, for a nice 19 to 20 crit range on melee attacks. Ooh. He's all about the area attacks with auto fire. With the rotary blaster cannon, he can area attack a two by four square area. His auto fire options include auto fire sweep, six squares or 24 squares, depending on how the GMs rule this one. I'd love to hear Steven's input on that. Let's see here. I'll continue, though. Yes. First fire supplemented by weapon focus heavy, weapon specialization heavy and devastating attack heavy weapons, as well as controlled burst. If he braces or uses the bipod, he will have no penalty on auto fire. Along for the ride is a heavy blaster pistol with a range finder. A neutronium reinforced axe for melee attacks, combat gloves, why not? And a bandolier of grenades, eight frag and four smoke. He's also a good gunner on a starship as well. This guy sounds fucking cool as hell. He does. I love Herglick. Me too. They're great. Big old whale guys, for those who don't know. Yeah, they're fun. We had a we had a really great Herglick that we that we adored in, in a campaign. Dude had, dude had two uh Vibro axe. Two he also had like two extra arms put on him for his weapon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He had cybernetic extra arms. It's rad. I've got my ruling on auto fire sweep. Let's hear it. It is absolutely 24 squares. 24 square auto fire sweep, baby. Yeah, because it says six square cone, and a six square cone is very clearly defined in the core rule book. I'll show you here. There's Hell a picture. Yeah. That, that, I mean, come on. That's a six square cone. I don't know. if Is anyone out there saying it's a cone area of six squares? Because that is never... What a six square cone means in like D20 RPGs. That is like th this. This here is a is a D20 RPG six square this cone. This cone can fit so many squares in it. <laughs> Hashtag auto fire sweep. Let's get it trending on Twitter. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just it just clicked with me. Auto really fire funny. sweep. Level 12 version of this guy. As if the level eight one wasn't already scary enough. With this fucking 24 square area attack. Reminds me a little bit of that Valkyrie I made. I mean, it's way different, but like. <laughs> How does it remind you of your Valkyrie? Mostly auto fire sweep. That's, oh, that's about fair, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, your Mandalorian Valkyrie. Yeah. yeah, that was great. That's a that's a dark times callback if I've ever heard one. For real. Level 12, equipment and weapons as in level 8, added talents from Elite Trooper are greater weapon focus, heavy, and greater devastating attack, heavy, for more punch with the rotary blaster cannon. Feats are auto-fire assault to increase damage when firing at the same target area, and targeted area to increase damage even more, by plus 5, to one target in the targeted area. Don't forget about the DR2 from Elite Trooper as well. Sturdy from the Herglick species trait gives him 9 extra hit points on a second wind, 11 at 12th level. Enjoy the auto-fire mayhem, 
Loy Krolik. Now that's a heavy weapons guy. Oh my God. Well he's, a, done. he's also a heavy weapons guy. <laughs> exactly. I love her. He looks well done. That's Loy. great. You can find that build in the description below. Of course, uh, the full build will be linked for your enjoyment. Well, Steven, mm. it's that time again. Okay. All right. Breathe. Let me focus. I hope you have your will up to date, by the way. I don't know we haven't talked about it in a while, but it's up towards the end of the year. I like to remember just to keep all your affairs in order, just in case, you know, because life is short. Life's precious. Yeah. yeah the unexpected can happen at any time. Especially when it's expected. <laughs> I have. Uh, it's every, everyone's favorite segment. Mine in particular as well. Name that NPC or I literally kill you, which I'm glad people are are coming around to the name literally kill you yeah. as, as a sort of as opposed to like literally die or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they're finally getting it. Yeah, they're finally understanding this is death instantaneous and not necessarily painless. I have a stat block submitted by Zoe Krolik today. Zoe Krolik for the hat trick, huh? For real, triple. The feedback, the second half of the show and the fucking. Sometimes we get three emails from him for one episode. It's great. I'm not complaining. I'm That's not either. Sure. I love it. Keep putting the rest of you to shame. <laughs> it's not what's well, different though. If I'm listening to the show on my walk, then like, I'm not going to stop everything to, to write an email to you, Steven. I'm well, that's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Every thought while listening should be categorized and written out. Name that NPC where I literally kill you is a game where Steven has a stat block presented to him in bits and pieces. He has three yes or no questions with three guesses to figure out what the stat block is. If he fails all three times, he is dead. And I will be looking for a replacement host in the coming weeks. Maybe after the holiday season, you'll enjoy it. Give Steven's family some time to grieve. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Zoe Krolik sent in a stat block. Steven, are you ready? I'm ready. This is a, from the Clone Wars campaign guide affiliation, the Kashyyyk resistance. Medium, Wookiee Scout 6, mm. Destiny points 1, Force points 4, Initiative plus 9, Perception plus 8, Languages, Basic, Understand Only, Huttese, Understand Only, and Shrewook, Defenses, Reflex Defense of 20, Forward 2 Defense of 17, Will Defense of 16, 67 Hit Points, a Damage Threshold of 17, Extraordinary Recuperation, and Shake It Off. With the Talents, Acute Senses, Extreme Effort, and Jury Rigor, with the Feats, Careful shot, martial arts one, pin, point blank shot, powerful charge, precise shot, shake it off, weapon proficiency, pistols, rifles, Goodbye, and simple weapons. Chewbacca. <laughs> Did I get it? Yes, it is Chewbacca. Amazing. Punctuated with my fourth favorite line of Revenge of the Sith. Goodbye, Chewbacca. Goodbye, Tarful. <laughs> Oh man, a, that was the most like overt. I think George Lucas ever went on like, <laughs> hey, remember, remember the original trilogy? Hey, remember when Chewbacca? Remember Chew Yoda met Chewbacca? Everyone, oh my god! Oh man, <laughs> the Wookiee's species traits are really cool. I'm surprised we didn't go over them today. Maybe I felt like it would time. be too easy to go over Wookiees today. They are cool I wanted to get some off-the-beaten-path stuff. Maybe I should have said that at the top of the show. Well, now you Now, you now have. I have. <laughs> yes, Steven. Zloy, you know, I thought the Wookiee inclusion would have been maybe two, three guesses. But no, you got it in one. <laughs> There's only so many statted Wookiees, especially in the Clone <laughs> Wars book. And we already did Tarful. It's, I, you know what? Part of me was like, why would Chewbacca even be in the Clone Wars campaign guide? But yeah, goodbye, Chewbacca. Goodbye, Chewbacca. <laughs> it's more than enough reason to have him included. Yep. 
Stephen, do you have any trivia for us this week? I do. Daisy Ridley took her father to the set in Ireland where they were filming the ending scene for Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens. When her father met Mark Hamill, he asked him, who do you play then? <laughs> Ridley admitted that she was not sure if her father was joking. He was probably joking. He was almost that's definitely a, that's joking. such a dad Old joke. Old British guy, like, come on. He knows Mark Hamill. <laughs> All British men know Mark Hamill personally. It's true. It's true. So coming, so it's the holidays. Very good. Life day coming up, fastly approaching. Yeah, old Lang sign and all that. So we will have an episode. You're hearing this episode now. That's this week. And then next week you'll get an episode. And then we might drop you something short and sweet for for life day. And then then we'll say goodbye until, uh, what did we say, second week of January? I believe so. Let's just triple check the numbers there. Yes, that would January be eleventh. Your next episode after the holiday will be January eleventh. We'll see you in the new year, whole new year of goodness to come. And Patreon patrons, please make sure you have your addresses updated on the Patreon. Yes, please. Got a little something coming your way. Just a little, maybe a little something. You know, could could be something. Thank you so much for listening to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. Stephen is my co-host. Uh, I'm Sam. I present at the show. Reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your show. Tell a friend about the show and tell us you told a friend. We'll shout you both out on the show. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? I didn't know there was this much green in the entire galaxy. Um, Hooray. Did you already do that one? I think you may have, actually. That sounds familiar Maybe. now. It's a funny one. It. It's a funny one. It's also uh, really sad. <laughs> Fine. Uh, we we had a slight weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly <laughs> all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> Boring conversation anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking legendary scene. Oh my god. It's so great. Ugh. Goodbye, Chewbacca. <laughs> Goodbye, Tarful. <laughs> I saw a Tumblr post the other day that was like, it was it was about Darth Vader seeing Han Solo for the first time. Oh like, yeah, and how like who the <laughs> fuck is this guy? <laughs> Han shows up on the Death Star with his son, his droid, his friend's <laughs> droid, his Jedi Master, and and the guy who knew Yoda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Incredible. It's fucking great. It's fucking great. Good night, everybody. Night, listener. <laughs> Good night, listener. Good night, Chewbacca. <laughs> Good night, Darvel. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> do you like Yoda's little kiss on the forehead? I do. It's so fucking funny. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs>